and to turn back to where we were last Lord's Day in the 21st Psalm I read to you that verse two in Psalm 57 and told you there was one more and that's in Psalm 108 and I want to I want to look at the context of all three times that David said be thou exalted and trust that you might leave with some sort of a hunger blessed are they that hunger that's missing in our day folks only you know if there is within you an unsatisfiable hunger and thirst if you to the place you're satisfied with what you know then you're in dangerous dangerous place Psalm 21 I'll read you to read with me verse number 13 in a, in a moment and then we'll look at the context Lord willing Lord happy before we do though would you pray with me <clears throat> gracious Lord the one thing we know is thou art God and beside thee there is none other and yet that knowledge may lie on our heads without any fruit being produced we all possess a Bible the use of it is only known to the owner but how can we call ourselves children of God and there not be a great long within to find more and more about this God that our Bible speaks about about thy honor and thy glory and that that being foremost in our lives Lord every person here I know it is not that which is weighty upon the young folks minds but every person here knows 
that life will end. And that we will face thee. And that we will give an account of deeds done in the body, words spoken. Of all our actions. And the only hiding place is the Lord Jesus. I pray that once again we might see, we might sense that of the quickening power of God. Making alive, giving a holy interest. Towards thee. Now, Father, help in the preaching and in the hearing of thy truth. Make us responsible hearers. Glorify thy dear Son. And give us of thy spirit, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 21:13. All three times it is David requesting this. They're almost the same. Psalm 57, the two times, there's a little little difference than here. But he said in verse 13, or he requests, Be thou exalted in thine own strength. Well, of course, that can only be, for we can't exalt him. And Lord, if you do this, we will... Sing and praise thy power. Now, folk, for that desire, that desire alone to be in you, that's a high and lofty place for the soul of man to soar in. That's that rare air where eagles soar. You know this verse, the next chapter over. Psalm 24, Who shall ascend to the hill of God? Of the Lord. Or who, verse number 3, shall stand in his holy place? David gives us the answer under inspiration of the Spirit. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Now, if you say that something is pure, that means there is nothing but that substance. I I don't know that there is any such thing as pure. There's always a mixture, no matter 
matter what it might be, we mine, they mine ore to refine from the ore the precious metals. But those metals are, are a mixture. They're not pure. And even when they mine them and get them to the purest state, they still are not pure. You can't buy pure gold. You can get that which is getting close to it, but not pure. You want to ascend into the hill of the Lord? Clean hands, a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Now when David asked, Be thou exalted, that's a given. I mean, God is. He has been from all eternity past the high, the lifted up one. Before David ever took his first breath, God was exalted. Before the first man ever got here, or the first man ever had a dry place to set his feet upon, God was exalted. That's just, that's just a fact. It always has been. God is the one exalted being in the universe. There are no co-equals. Nothing that comes close to the eternal God. You could add all the sinless creatures together. All of them. And they're still but finite creatures that veil their face when they're in the presence of God. So when David said, be thou exalted, he can't be asking God for that which is, always has been, and always will be, unless it's a personal request for him. In my heart, in my mind, in my life, be thou exalted. Let thy glory be above the heavens, be thou high to me. Now, do you think that the world knows? Well, that's, that's a very stupid question. And this also, do you think that the world cares about God being exalted? No. They've got everything under control. All we got to do is get the right politicians in office. From the Oval Office down to the local local uh, offices in our city and town government, all we got to do is just get the right people 
and whether we think it's Democrats or Republicans just fill the house with all these right people and then we'll have everything under control does the church house know that God is exalted does she know that she has a need no most sit without a need and the God that most folks serve half-heartedly is so small that I do not blame them for their half-hearted service and their lack of devotion to their God. He's just too small to deserve your all. Now David sees him as the high and great God. But David knows that as high as he sees God, he's viewing him afar off. He's like Moses when God put him in, in the, the cleft of the rock and, and put his hands over his eyes until he passed by and then removed his hands. And all Moses could handle was the hinder parts of God. That's all David's looking at. A God far off. A God very distant. And David knows that. And all that he knows of God being exalted, he still knows. I can see. I can realize. And I can know more of this exalted God. Now in Psalm 21, in the context here, David's sitting in a rather comfortable place. Verses 2 and following. I won't read the entire verse. Verses. Thou hast given him his heart's desire. Whatever the requests of his lips have been, you've given it. You've prevented him with the blessings of, of goodness. And on his head there's a crown of pure gold. And he asked life. You gave it. And he asked for length of days. You gave it. Now listen, his glory is great in thy salvation honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him that's a rather comfortable place that God has raised elevated David to in verses 8 through 13 or 12 David sees the enemies of God beneath the feet of God and he sees God over all enemies God's enemies which makes him God over all David's enemies 
But David knows this, and you're going to learn it if you're a child of God. No matter how comfortable a place I am in today, no matter how much I see that the power of God controls all God's enemies, which include mine, if God to me in this place right here in Psalm 21 is not exalted above the good place that I'm in and above the place that I see my enemies or the Lord's enemies in, I know I'm going to fall. He knows that man, he knows this by experience, that man is as bent on backsliding as the rotation of our earth brings darkness to us. He knows that. He knows that his nature is bent to, to leaving God as much as the water is running downhill. And probably the most dangerous place that you'll ever be is when all is well. You meet all your bills without any problems. Matter of fact, after you pay all your monthly bills, you've got that that you can stick back in a nest egg. Your children are all well. You are fairly okay physically. Some of you doing well physically. That could be a very dangerous place. The little raft that your life is on and with all your family and loved ones upon it is flowing gently down a stream. You don't need God. I mean, not really. you got everything. What do you need God for? David knew me in this place. My enemies that are God's enemies are under my Lord's feet. And God has put a crown of pure gold on my head and given me my heart's desire. He knows because of my nature. We sing prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Surely you know something of that. The divine life, I'm speaking it as if you are a child of God. The divine life within you lives within a body of weakness, infirmities, corruption. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. The life of God bound up in this old body of flesh daily faces assaults from your own natural being. 
Remove the devil out of the way and remove the world out of the way. You've still got a war. You could move to a convent somewhere and become a nun that never gets back into the world or, or become whatever. What are the men? Monks. And you still are living in a body that's warring against the life of God in your soul. There's not a natural faculty in you, mind or heart, that's favorable to the life of God. Nothing about you. David knew. Now I sit high right now. Everything is all right. But he knows I could be in the gutter tomorrow if God does not remain the exalted being in my life. Now, folk, I know. I mean, you can tell by by the empty space we've got in here. I know such language is not favorable to today's society and even today's church. And I know that the psychology of the day tells us that you've got to feel good about yourself. You're made in the image of God. He loves you and He wants the best for you now and throughout eternity. Now you go take that language and that psychology and, and that teaching that it's all about us. You go take it down there to Paul in a jail, damp, dirty, hungry, cold. Timothy, if you can, get here shortly with my coat. You think they cared? Those Romans cared about their prisoners? No. You go tell Paul down there, Paul, God loves you, and he wants the best for you. That was the best place he could be. Go tell him, lying outside the city gate where he'd been stoned and everybody thought he was dead. Yeah, Paul, God wants the best for your life. Or go over there to the Isle of Patmos where John has been banished from all society. Go tell him of the disciples on the stormy sea. Call them and say, fellas, don't worry, God loves you. And he's got the best for it. Or Paul in Acts 27 when he said all hope's gone that any of us should be saved. Go tell him. Today's teachings. Today's evangelism tells you you gotta you gotta think positive thoughts about yourself, happy thoughts. You are important. You are important in God's plan. You shouldn't you should never be down on yourself. 
Now you tell this, all this, to a man desiring God to be exalted, and you tell him how important he is, and he'll he'll life in your faith. He knows. No, I'm not that important. Right now everything's alright, but I'm not that important. Only God. Well, you can't, you can't get anywhere if you're always down on yourself. Go tell a man that's seen God. He shouldn't have negative thoughts about his old fallen nature and indwelling sin and the difficulty of of the warfare that he's in on a daily basis. Go tell him. If you are a child of God, the only good thing about you, the only good thing about you is that which God has done within. Now you you are good folks. You're kind, you're helpful. Anybody in trouble, I believe there's not a one of you here that wouldn't lend a helping hand. So when I say that the only good thing about you is that which God has done within you, I'm not taking away good acts, but I'm just saying there's nothing good about any of us except that which God has wrought within And if God has given you life within, nobody's got to tell you about the warfare. You know about that. Constantly. I won't ask you to pray ten minutes. I'll ask you to pray five minutes without a roaming thought. I won't ask you to read a chapter. I'll ask you just to read three or four verses and see if the mind is fully engaged in that you're reading. You're going to have a battle in praying. That's the most spiritual duty we do. And there's where the battle is going to be the greatest. But you're going to have a battle in studying your scriptures, and you're going to have a battle sitting in the church house. If there's any spirituality about us, then you're going to have to battle. Because it won't be two minutes after you sit down on the pew and, and the preachers through the amen that your mind's off into tomorrow or back into yesterday. That's us. That is all in this, in this fallen nature. Now Psalm 57. Two times. In verse number 5 and verse number 11 that are identical in Psalm 57. David prays that God might be exalted above the heavens and that God's glory might be above the earth. 
But I told you I wanted us to look at the context in which these are written. Now, beginning with verse number 3, well, 3 and 4. My, he will send from heaven and save me from the, the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. Now look at the condition. If you didn't get it from verse number 3, then he explains it a little more in depth. My soul is among lions. Oh, that's not four-footed creatures. No more than Paul, the lions that Paul was attacked by in Ephesus. It's two-legged men. My soul, lions can do no more than get to your body. My soul is among lions. And I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Here David's in great danger, running from Saul, hiding in a cave, Saul's armed men all about him. I mean, Saul would take out 3,000 soldiers to capture a band of 600 men. And this is as, this, this is a dangerous place. I start to say it's equal, equally dangerous place. I won't make that statement. But he asked God, be exalted. Your problems, your adverse situations, your desperate conditions. And some of you have been there. You know what I've said. You didn't know if you could survive the condition you were in, the situation you were in. You didn't know. And your problems and the adversity you face just from being a man or a woman can separate between you and your God. They can become so big that it blots out God in your thinking. All you can see is the difficulty of the situation you're in. You can't see God. You don't even know if God's hearing you when you call upon Him. And they can be, they can bring you down so low that they can consume every waking moment. I've told you before, there have been times, months upon end, that I look forward to a few hours sleep, hoping that my mind would rest and wouldn't be so active. Months upon end. I couldn't see God. 
I mean, I, I, I search throughout the day. I, I, I lay down at night with a Bible in my hand, just wanting a word from God, for God to come back, and God to be the living God in my life. Consuming, and you've been there. And they're so big, you can't see God. Now the sun, our natural sun, is the biggest, largest object in our world. But I can cover up the sun with one hand. I mean, midsummer, midday sun, I can block it out. By just putting a hand where the sun is. And in these difficult situations, you can get the wrong flame of heart and mind. And the devil or your old natural man, one or both or either, can begin thinking hard thoughts of God. You're not this kind, gracious, loving God. I see you more as a mean, vindictive God. But David, in this situation, did not ask God to destroy his enemies. He did not ask God for him to give David strength to defeat them, give, them, give him power over them, or to exalt himself above them. That's a one way to get in trouble with God. No. He prays for God to be exalted. And when God becomes the largest thing in your world, all problems disappear. Uh, they're still there, but God's so big that for that moment in time, they don't exist. The problems are all gone. God becomes greater than your problems, and God becomes greater than your enemies, and God becomes greater than the perilous condition that you might be in. Be thou exalted. You, I don't know any of you now that are in great difficulties. I don't know. You may be personally. So that, so weighty on you that you can't even speak to anybody about them. I don't know. But I know this. If you've got problems and you've got needs, 
you are in a safer place means on which only God can mean. You are in a safer place than David was in Psalm 21. How many times has God delivered us? Time and again. It wasn't a full day after deliverance that we forgot God. We got back enjoying life. One last Psalm 108. I didn't read I didn't read this to you last week because it's the same. Psalm 108, verse number 5 is the same as in Psalm 57. Let's begin with verse number 1. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, psaltery and heart. I myself will awake early. I don't remember where I read this, but it was one of the old divines. Spoke about rising at six every morning. Some of them got up at three or four to spend several hours in prayer before they head off to their daily work. But he had calculated getting up at six every morning of how many hours and it was thousands and thousands of hours he would save in a lifetime getting up at six rather than six thirty I will awake early I will praise thee O Lord among the people and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. My heart speaks, that is, it's established, it's firm, it's fixed aright. But David knew no sooner than these words had fallen from his lips that they could be temporal. My heart is fixed. David went out without any armor and slew the giant with a smooth stone and a slingshot because he trusted in God. That same David, after being anointed by Samuel to be the king of Israel, became so fearful that he said, I die by the hand of Saul. So he knew, I'm going to praise thee, my heart is fixed, I'll sing, 
I will wake early to do these things. But David knew that though he was in that lofty frame of heart, he pleads for God to be exalted. He knows this may not last, this won't last if it's left up to me. And he pleads for the God of that mercy and that truth and all his gracious works which he has performed for David that enables David to rejoice and praise God. He asks God, be exalted above everything you've done for me. I will warn you, if you settle down to one of the gracious attributes of God, just one, you need them all, but be it His mercy, His grace, His love, or even His truth, if you settle down on any one of these or any one aspect of God, you've already lost God. And you substitute what He is in attributes and what He might have done or be doing. You've substituted all that for His person. Now, folk, I know that you've got to have truth to get to God, else you've got a false God and an idol. But truth contained on these pages is to bring you to the one who is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I know about George Whitfield. I, I guess I've still got him. Two large volumes of a good author writing about his life. And I know about Spurgeon saying two large volumes about the life of Spurgeon. But I don't know George Whitfield or I don't know Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I don't know them. I know about them. So I know you've got to have truth to get to God, but truth is not God. One of the great, if not the greatest, English poet, Alfred Gordon Tennyson, said, If I take from the good and the truth and the just the charm forever, all crumble to dust. If the good and the truth and the just has charm in it for you, and they do, and they should, but if you live upon that charm, then that which is good and lovely and just will crumble into the dust. Now God's given you a lot of good things in life. You got a family. You got a 
good job, a way of making income. You got you got a friend or two. Someone, the last generation said, if you've got one true friend, you're a rich man or woman. God's given you that. He's given you a lot of things that are right, true, love, honesty, morality, and upright character. And hopefully you feel like he's given you a good church. But all things that I've mentioned and a hundred that I did not, if I live upon the charm of these things and these things only, it all crumbles. Be thou exalted. Not what you've done for me. Not life itself and the good things, not even eternal life and the blessings that will follow. Not that, but the God of all these things. And looking at the mercy of God above the heavens and the truth of God reaching to the clouds and a heart fixed in that condition, David asked God to be exalted. Now closing out verses number 6 through 13, David looks at the power of God. He's divided verse 7. Seven Shechem and meet out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is the strength of my head, Judah is my lawgiver, Moab, those nations that do not know me, is my washpot. I'll just use them to clean, clean my children. Over Eden, Edom will I cast out my shoe, over Philistia will I triumph. Looking at the power of God. But David does not worship the power of God or any of the attributes of God, but the God that possesses all power. And the God that is over all your enemies. And the God that will put them under your feet somewhere in life. That God is the one David asked to be exalted. I know what you're going to do with all your enemies, Lord. I know what you've done with me and that my heart is fixed today. But in all that David sees and in all that David knows of God, having tasted the goodness of God, the mercy of God, and so many more, he desires to see God exalted. 
above what God's done for him. I don't I don't remember if it was was John Owen or one of the other old Puritans who said, if you're not willing to go to hell for the glory of God, you don't know God much or much about God. Oh, God, I set me, tried to set before you. No, a man's heart after the very heart of God that I've tried to set before you is the God that you should be seeking to be exalted in your life. Daily. If you're in good situations, Well, that, that's going to pass, and you're going back into difficult situations. If you're in difficult situations, those are going to pass, and you, you go back into the sunshine. But no matter the circumstance you're in, let God be exalted in my heart. We're dismissed until... Till next Sunday morning.